Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everyone. My name is Simon Barrett, and this is another edition of Journey into Justice with Bello and Barrett. As always, I'm joined by my very good friend, author and attorney, Mark Bellow. Mark, welcome to the program. Simon, it's great to be with you. Sorry about last week. Uh, I got off a plane and, and uh, <laughs> the timing just didn't work out. They, the plane was delayed uh, and my uh, I, I was working on a project and it just did couldn't come together. I don't know what we uh, what we ran last week, but I, uh, I apologize for my inability to be there. Oh, no problem. Okay, let's. Hopefully uh, you picked a good. Uh, hopefully you picked a good repeat. Oh yes. <laughs> um, so on with uh, tonight's program. Um, I I thought you pull it, you picked a delightful topic. I'll. Uh, I'll let you introduce it. Well, um, what I want to do is start out tonight by playing a few YouTube videos. Now, I know this is sort of radio, and there's no video feed, but uh, anybody who's listening can probably find these on the Internet if they're so inclined. The audio, the audio, in my humble opinion, should get the message across, and it will kind of illustrate what I'd like to talk about tonight. The problem is I'm doing this on my MacBook Air with a uh, Apple iPhone, and I'm a techno idiot, so all I'm going to do is put my iPhone up to the audio on my MacBook and hope that you and the audience can hear it. So here we go. Here's the first one. Let me cue this up. I'm already missing one, apparently. Um, but here's one. Where's this other one? I like the other one. Oh, well. We'll try it. It might already be queued up. That's the one I played for you before the show started. Oh, yeah, it's already mm. there. Okay, hang on. There, here we go. After her car wreck, when Carlene got $39,853 for her shoulder injury, who did she have to thank? Daniel Stark. After Janet's car wreck, Milton got her $98,678 for her neck and shoulder injury. Got that right, Daniel Stark. I'm Danny Daniel. We help back And with our no fee guarantee, if we don't win, you don't pay us anything. The man, Daniel Stark. 1-800-483-8300. Okay, I, I guess it was nice of me to advertise uh, or help Dan, Dan advertise his business, but uh, obviously I was making a point. Uh, here's the second one. Ready? Yep. Okay, here we go. $6,000 after an accident injured his leg. On the batter. And as a motorcyclist, we got $11.1 million after losing his life. They'll tell you because they know. After a car accident, money matters. How much can Steiner Green and Finer get you? Okay. Here comes the third one. This one's kind of long, so bear with me. And I'm Jeremy Gann. Have you been injured in an accident? Talk to us. We'll get you the money you deserve. <laughs> After my accident, Jeremy Gann got me a settlement of $6,000. Lisa. 
Cut off for a second. They're gonna play. They're gonna play an ad. Hang on. Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> right. Um, but it, it, it kind of makes the point that I wanted to make. Um, and uh, it is that uh, some of these ads, uh, many lawyers advertise on television. Um, lawyer advertising is a good thing. Uh, when the ads are done correctly and professionally, um, many people, especially people who uh, don't have significant means or contacts, um, don't understand their rights, uh, don't understand uh, that what they are currently going through is something that a lawyer can get them damages for, uh, don't understand, for instance, that a particular procedure um, that is causing them to suffer might be a part of a class action. So as we were discussing off the air, if somebody has a hernia mesh, a mesh problem and a hernia mesh problem results from uh, essentially a defective product, uh, a, a lawyer who advertises for that kind of a class action uh, litigation is somebody that perhaps someone who doesn't otherwise know a lawyer uh, uh, should know, and the information is important. Um, Saturday Night Live, uh, 
that was that was a 2017 sketch featuring uh, Kate McKinnon, by the way. Um, as as I indicated, you can't see it uh, uh, on the radio, but or on your computer, but uh, I most people would probably guess that that was Kate McKinnon. Uh, and it pokes fun at lawyer advertising and the discussion of how much money a case is worth or how much money your lawyer can get for you. Um, what I want to discuss tonight, however, is the opposite. I want to discuss uh, how uh, these cases that um, result in serious damages and cause serious harm uh, or the result from um, someone who causes serious harm are no laughing matter at all. They're serious cases. They're serious situations. They require serious financial assistance. And uh, with your permission, I'd like to examine some of the recent cases that I came across. Uh, the first one is uh, one that a friend of mine handled. And it kind of gave me the idea for tonight's program. Sure, fire away. What, what did you think of those three uh, ads, Simon? Yeah, <laughs> the, the Saturday Night Saturday Night Live one was uh, most humorous, <laughs> but yeah, I, I see these on TV all day. And it still bothers me slightly. Um, I'm I'm not sure that uh, the claims that, uh, that some make really quite reflect re- reflect reality. Um, you know, all these happy smiling faces. Um, but are they really happy smiling faces? Well, and, and that, and you, you're, the point you raise is my biggest problem with them. If you're going to use a client uh, in your advertising, and you're going to say you got that client, you know, 1.5 million dollars, uh, then tell us what happened to the client, what the injuries that the client suffered um, were that resulted in a 1.5 million dollar settlement or verdict. Uh, it does a seriously injured person a disservice to show a happy, smiling, healthy, and I emphasize the word healthy, client on television, growing, uh, smiling, and laughing about the verdict they got. It minimizes what the injuries one needs to suffer to recover uh, a seven-figure, eight-figure, nine-figure verdict. Um, and here's here's an example. Last month, in Ingham County Circuit Court, that's um, Lansing, Michigan, the capital. Uh, it did, it didn't. Ha- I'm not sure it happened in Lansing, but that's the county where uh, Michigan's capital, Lansing, is located. Um, and I. Bingham County Circuit Court jury handed down a very large medical malpractice verdict. Uh, A friend of mine by the name of Chad Engelhart handled the case um, against uh, Sparrow Health System, which is a prominent hospital in Lansing, and a jury awarded $17 million as the result of a botched routine procedure that caused the plaintiff's comp- that caused the plaintiff complications that left her a paraplegic and necessitated the amputation of her left leg. Oh goodness. Um, now you heard what I said. Seventeen million in exchange for being a paraplegic and having your left leg amputated. Uh, right. I don't know about you. Um, but I wouldn't trade uh, being healthy for paraplegia and the loss of a leg for 17 million bucks. Uh, I just I just wouldn't. But it gets worse. 
um, the firm is Gotha Engelhart. They're in Ann Arbor. And Chad tells me that surgical sheaths that were placed in her legs as part of a procedure were left in too long, and that caused a blood clot. So they call a cardiovascular surgeon to the scene, but instead of operating right away to remove the clot, he delays treatment. And according to Chad, he then overinflated the angioplasty balloons and stents, and that caused internal bleeding and poor blood flow to the plaintiff's legs and spine, which led to the paralysis and, and to gangrene, which caused the amputation. Now, here's the other sad part of this discussion, and we've discussed this before also, and that is tort reform. In Michigan, Simon, thanks to tort reform, we have a statutory cap on pain and suffering. So the jury award is going to be reduced to the cap limits. I can't honestly tell you what they are. They're far lower than 17 million bucks. Um, now for me, this is not only a travesty of justice, but it's unconstitutional. Uh, uh, and we'll discuss that in a minute. We've discussed that before. I told you that the U.S. Constitution has a Seventh Amendment that gives us an absolute right to a jury trial in civil cases, and uh, that was, that is true for any amount over 25 bucks. So how any state gets to limit a jury's verdict and pass constitutional muster is beyond me. Now, Chad's wife, uh, Jennifer, who was also an attorney on the case, this is truly a team effort, uh, said that the award is fair and the jury got it right. She says that the money is needed simply to provide the woman the care she needs going forward and to give her the best quality of life possible. She apparently has a hole in her back the size of an orange. Uh, Jennifer says, and I quote her, I don't think we oversold this case in the least. Um, some more background for you. The plaintiff was aged 70 at the time. She rides at Sparrow for a routine outpatient procedure. A routine outpatient procedure. The intent was to improve blood flow in her legs and relieve cramps that she was experiencing when she was walking. So this procedure she has uh, involves ins inserting surgical seats in her leg. And apparently the nurse or the nurses left them into a, which caused the blood clot that traveled down her left leg and turned it blue and cold. Mm. They, called, they called in a surgeon to address the clot. This guy was not involved in the initial procedure. And by the way, they didn't sue anybody involved in the initial procedure, even though the nurse uh, kind of neglected her. But he didn't perform emergency surgery to remove, remove the clot and restore the blood flow. Instead, he delayed the surgery, scheduled it for the end of the day, um, and he called it an add-on surgery. He called it elective surgery. Um, clearly, <laughs> it was absolutely necessary surgery, and it was necessary to be performed immediately. He also disregarded critical imaging that showed a, a large calcium chunk that was also blocking blood flow into the legs. And rather than bypassing the problem, he overinflated the angioplasty balloons, as I said before. Uh, and that, uh, according to Chad, was the ultimate negligent decision. Um, an angiogram showed that the chunk was in a dangerous spot in the plaintiff's aorta. And this made the procedure that the doctor chose to perform contraindicated to what she actually needed. 
Her veins ruptured and cracked as a result, causing this internal serious bleeding. Poor blood flow to her spine and her leg. It resulted in her becoming paralyzed. Her leg became gangrenous, and it necessitated amputation several months later. Now get this, Simon. After that, she goes through 35 subsequent surgical procedures, and she now requires 24-7 care for the rest of her life. You might ask, what did the hospital and the doctor do after screwing this case up so bad? Well, first, as is obvious, they forced the plaintiff to hire a lawyer. They forced the plaintiff to sue them rather than do the right thing, admit what they did was wrong, and try to resolve the case immediately and fairly. Then, and this is unbelievable to me, they rejected a very reasonable $2.9 million offer of judgment that uh, Chad and his team um, offered to resolve the case for. Now, when I say offer of judgment, I'm talking about a formal process that the lawyers out there might know what I'm talking about. Certainly in Michigan they do. But an, a, a formal offer of judgment is a uh, process that is done by the rules. And when you formally offer an offer in judgment, if the defendant rejects and doesn't and his rejection doesn't result in a verdict that is more than 10% lower than the offer, then the defendant has to pay sanctions. In this case, when you have a $17 million verdict, it's my guess that the sanctions themselves are going to be higher than the offer of judgment itself. What a stupid decision they made to decline Chad's very reasonable offer to settle. Uh, the most they offered in this case was a million dollars, and they stopped there. Chad says he wasn't surprised, and frankly, neither am I. Uh, here's what Chad had to say to me about the rejection of the offer of judgment. Quote, in medical malpractice cases, especially when they involve issues of complex surgical techniques, the interpretation of imaging and postoperative critical care it's often easy for the defense to raise confusion and smoke and, smoke and mirrors defenses. While I can't speak for the defense, I guess they wanted to capitalize on the fact that we had an older client with a long smoking history, but she was active and living an absolutely normal lifestyle. Uh, you'll recall I said she was 70 years old, so there was a, um, a life expectancy issue that is discussed and presented to every jury in cases of where senior citizens are the are the uh, plaintiffs. Now, according to Chad, the negatives for the defendants included the doctor providing a constantly uh, changing story, both in his deposition and in front of the jury. He blamed at different times the nurses. He blamed his staff. He blamed medical devices. At one time, he even claimed that the patient did not suffer from internal bleeding when imaging clearly showed that she, that she did. Uh, according to Chad, this created a lack of credibility for the jury, and along with the medical evidence in the case, um, the doctor's changing story was the key to establishing liability. So, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people, I think, out there, um, uh, you're the, uh, a, regular, a regular person. Uh, many people believe that results like this are based on either luck, oratory skills, or flashy lawyering. Uh, you know, the, the most flamboyant lawyers get the highest verdicts and that kind of thing. Uh, in this case, I think that the case was one on its merits. Uh, it was one on hard work. It was one on careful preparation. These lawyers presented the case to a number of mock juries or focus groups. They didn't call high-paid experts. They focused on the defendant's own conduct and the harm he caused uh, by his conduct. Uh, they didn't complicate the issues or overwhelm the jury with science. Um, 
uh, focus group. I don't know if you watch the show Bull, but uh, uh, a good jury consultant is, is a very important uh, person to have in a in a um, uh, important uh, high value case like this. Uh, some, sometimes information can overload a jury and decrease the chances of, of a successful verdict. Uh, this firm's approach to jury selection was also interesting. Um, Steve Gothold, uh, Chad's partner, another fine lawyer who I know, said they didn't advocate the case during jury selection. They focused on proposed jurors' familiarity with the hospital and the doctors and the procedures and complications of procedures. They got prospective jurors to open up about their feelings um, and a very effective tool that obviously yielded terrific results. They also obtained all of the records. They filed motion after motion after motion to make sure they had all the records. And the motion work, uh, uh, the cumulative motion work, got the defendants to comply. Their persistence paid off. The records demonstrated that the doctor didn't properly prepare for the surgery. Uh, he didn't review the imaging in advance. And uh, that resulted in, in this tragedy. Now, breaking down the award for the people, Simon, the jury awarded $7.1 million for past economic and non-economic damages and $9.9 million in future damages. It's the non-economic and the future that um, is going to get capped by statute in Michigan, that statute that I believe is unconstitutional. Um, you recall I called out Second Amendment advocates and asked them to scream just as loudly about Seventh Amendment protections, which guarantees that damages uh, are in the exclusive purview of the jury and not in the purview of any legislature. How does a statute take away the voice of the jury? Uh, Chad believes that this is a great case to challenge on constitutional grounds. He plans to challenge the cap, and he said, and I quote, to have the jury's reasonable determination as the voice of the community slashed to a fraction of its true value denies the plaintiff her right to a jury trial. Now, he also argued, and this is interesting, he argued an equal protection argument um, which is another part of the Constitution. Um, he said that if this same injury, paralysis from the belly down and a lost leg, occurred in an auto accident in Sparrow's parking lot, there would be no case. Because it was done with surgical instruments inside the hospital, damages are severely limited. That's not equal protection. So that's another, a second um, constitutional argument that can be used to um, uh, prevent this kind of result in medical malpractice cases. Does that make so, any sense to you, Simon? How do, how do, how do you reconcile this, uh, where, where in, in an auto accident you get the full award, in a malpractice case you can't? Yet tort reform and damage gaps create unfair results like this all the time. Is it is it only in Michigan where they have uh, medical no, malpractice no. caps? No, uh, no, it, not not at all. It's 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 happened in states that are all across the country. A lot of them are being declared unconstitutional. Even uh, so-called blue states, uh, Illinois, um, is considered the litigation capital of the world, and there are. Uh, tort reform damage cap type uh, laws floating around in Illinois. There's also federal tort reform, and federal tort reform applies completely in the face of the Constitution, which obviously is a federal document. Um, uh, I invite all of our listeners to read the Seventh Amendment of the Constitution. It's very clear. It's even clearer than the Second Amendment. All the Second Amendment says is we have a right to bear arms. It doesn't say we have a right to carry AK-15s or AR-15s or AK-47s. It says we have a right to bear arms. So 
there's a gray area there. When you when you try to ban assault rifles or limit the public's access to guns by license, uh, I don't necessarily think that infringes on the right to bear arms. But when you say uh, the jury has the exclusive right to determine damages over $25 in all civil cases, what could be more clear than that? What gives the legislative branch the right to legislate the awards coming out of the judicial branch, uh, especially when you have a Seventh Amendment to the Constitution that speaks directly to this issue? So, um, I, I, just out of uh, idle curiosity, um, what would be the steps required to um, get uh, those caps removed? Well, again, uh, uh, what Chad said was uh, he's going to get an award. He's going to go back to court, and they're going to quantify uh, this case um, applying the cap. And I, I, I wish, you know, I, I, I haven't handled these cases in a while, and I never handled them under the current uh, cap rules. So I, I couldn't calculate the cap for you. But as Chad said, it, it severely, he used the word severely, and he's right, it severely limits the outcome. So I, I, I'm going to guess that millions of dollars will be chopped off this verdict as a result of this cap. So when he gets that award, he can then take the award, um, appeal it, uh, not, not the jury result, but the legislative result, appeal that to the Court of Appeals and perhaps to the Supreme Court if they're willing to take it up. And I'm talking about the state Supreme Court, not uh, the United States Supreme Court. Although, ultimately, if you're talking about Seventh Amendment issues, and he's not necessarily talking about Seventh Amendment issues, but I, I'm guessing he is, and he's talking about equal protection, which is um, a constitutional issue. Um, so, theoretically, ultimately, if they decide to take it up, uh, he could be appealing this all the way to the United States Supreme Court. Um, uh, of course, if the Michigan Court of Appeals or the Michigan Supreme Court rule in his favor on caps and rule them unconstitutional in Michigan, as many as many courts of appeal and Supreme Courts have done, across the country, uh, then I doubt you'll see this issue going to the United States Supreme Court. But but uh, Chad's a tenacious and uh, terrific advocate and lawyer, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he took this case to its ultimate conclusion or as far as he can possibly take it uh, to get these kinds of... Uh, uh, limitations um, overturned. They, they've been around for a long time, so uh, it's not easy to do. People have tried it in the past uh, and and failed for whatever reason. Um, but as he said, uh, a situation like this, unless it settles, and that, that's the wild card here. What you have and why these things are still around why they aren't challenged to their logical conclusion. If someone sees handwriting on the wall, sees litigation going on forever and ever, and these cases get settled. Uh, so if, um, if Chad, for instance, got, got uh, a settlement offer that exceeded the cap, he has to take that to his client and What's the client likely to do if the if the award 
if the offer is, you know, 10, 15, uh, 12 million bucks, let's say, that's a $5 million savings for the hospital. But right. enough money to take care of this woman for a long time, uh, how do you turn that down? So those are the issues that uh, uh, sometimes prevent these kinds of awards from uh, being appealed to the conclusion of having caps overturned. I'm I'm not saying that um, uh, this is true in in this case, but <clears throat> in the past, I've I've heard it said um, that one of the problems with um, Insurance for uh, doctors and uh, other folks in the uh, health business is the uh, astounding number of um, frivolous lawsuits. And so I'm assuming that the, uh, that the cap idea is a, a way to kind of limit lawsuits in general. Uh, am I correct well, in that, or? Well, you're 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 incorrect, and and again, we're 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 talking about a situation that we've discussed in the past. Um, but here's the important point about that. Uh, one of the reasons I started this conversation with those ads is because I believe. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm no scientist. Uh, I, I'm not suggesting that I'm right about this. I just, this is just my belief. I believe that ads like that contribute to this Saturday Night Live type humorous view of litigation where somebody gets a million bucks uh, for nothing. Somebody uh, they 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 like to use the term uh, jack jackpot justice. Um, uh, you mentioned the term frivolous lawsuit. What I would what I would suggest to you in response is what frivolous lawsuit needs a damages cap? If the lawsuit's a joke, it'll get dismissed. It won't get an award of ten million dollars. So what these court reformers do, what the legislature does, is they shout terms like jackpot justice and frivolous lawsuits and then suggest damages caps. Well, hang on a second. Hold the phone. If an injury is serious enough to result in a $17 million verdict, it is not frivolous. As, as I described just now, this woman is a paraplegic and has lost a leg and needs lifetime care as a result of a doctor who looked the other way when he could have been attentive and all of this could have been avoided. I ask you again, would you trade your leg and feeling below the waist for 17 million bucks? No, Hell absolutely no. not. <laughs> okay, so um, this idea that frivolous lawsuits, quote-unquote, require a damages cap is, excuse my French, bullshit. <laughs> what, what needs, if you want to talk about limiting the amount of lawsuits a person can file, we can have that conversation. Although, again, the Seventh Amendment says we can file a civil lawsuit for any amount over 25 bucks. That's pretty strong language. So even a frivolous lawsuit has a right to be filed. I don't know if you're aware of this, and I'm certain the public isn't aware of it, but the best guard against a frivolous lawsuit is a judge. If you bring a joke in front of him, he's going to dismiss it, and he's going to assess you costs. 
So lawyers aren't running around filing worthless lawsuits trying to collect money on them. There's no upside to that. There's no money in that. If you want to collect a serious damage award, you have to have a seriously harmed plaintiff, like the one we just talked about and like the one I'm about to talk about. I have two more cases to discuss with you. Um, The first one happened in Iowa two years ago. Um, And I just randomly picked these, by the way. I'm not... Uh, Chad's case I, uh, is what caused me to, to to look to discuss this issue, so I was aware of that one. But these other two I kind of looked up for the purpose of tonight's program. And an attorney I, who I don't know, uh, his name is Nick Rowley, obtained a $10 million pain and suffering verdict, which again is non-economic damages. Uh, they call non-economic damages in the trade, pain and suffering. Um, He got this verdict on behalf of his clients against an anesthesiology group in in, uh, Iowa. In this case, the group and its insurance company did not offer this family a single penny, not a single penny, in a wrongful death case, uh, the death of a 80-year-old husband and father, um, and he didn't he didn't work, I don't think. So it was completely non-economic. It was a wrongful death result. So the question was, what's the loss to the family of losing their husband and father, and probably grandfather? Um, the man had metastatic cancer, and he needed to have his bladder removed, and the surgery resulted in a bowel leak and sepsis. Now, you could argue that that in, a, in and of itself is malpractice, but they weren't sued for that. Uh, the conditions were treatable, and what was needed was an additional surgery. Um, what happened is that the defendants negligently inducted the anesthesia. The the, uh, deceased vomited, aspirated his stomach contents into his lungs, and died essentially of secondary drowning. He drowned in his own vomit. Now, um, this happened because the nurse anesthesiast um, who was going to retire very soon, failed to protect and then clean out the man's airways after, after he uh, was essentially uh, paralyzed from the drugs that they gave him. He was completely defenseless. Uh, then the anesthesiology provider, the doctor, failed to recognize that he had been fed an hour earlier and had a full stomach. Um, Now, this may sound familiar to you, Simon. I I don't know if you're a fan of legal movies, but this case is exactly what happened in Paul Newman's movie, The Verdict. You'll remember that they talked about the doctor being out all night or something like that, being tired and failing to recognize that the patient had eaten and aspirated in his mask. Uh, And uh, the doctor tried to lie and say that um, he hadn't eaten. He ate nine hours prior to the surgery he changed the one to a nine in the records. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. And a, and a nurse a nurse came in and testified that someone changed a one to a nine to cover up the negligence. Now that didn't happen here, but but 
uh, a person who's just eight uh, can't have uh, anesthetic. Um, the, the important part of this case, though, was life expectancy. Um, the jury gets an instruction in these kinds of cases as to what the plaintiff's life expectancy is. And in this case, it was seven and a half years. Um, so, I mean, if you're 40, you're looking at living 47 and a half years. If you're 80, you're looking at living seven and a half years. So, why is this case worth so much money? Well, jury found that the family lost an important and valuable life to them, experienced extreme hardship, and punished, I, I think, even though these weren't punitive damages, um, they thought they were negligent and wrong in their care of an 80-year-old man who had finally just beaten cancer. Um, and if your life is negligently taken away and you want to put an honest value on it, that value shouldn't be inconsequential or cheap. The defense, by the way, offered nothing. Their medical experts attempted to convince the jury that they felt this was a case in which these are the, complica the typical complications of surgery. Um, and, and that was the point of the verdict. If, if you change that one to a nine and the person um, ate nine hours ago and happens to vomit in this mask, maybe that's uh, one of those things. But when you do it an hour after he ate, you can expect that he's going to vomit and you're negligent. Um, right. Now, again, I'm not saying that's what happened in this case, but, but – <laughs> That's why that that's why that change in the records uh, in the movie was so important. Um, I wrote down a quote that Nick uh, said. He says he was able to discredit the witnesses that said this was an ordinary risk of surgery and convince the jury otherwise. Quote: Fortunately, a good-hearted and fair Iowa jury sided with my clients and awarded them every penny they deserved. In the end, while it won't bring back, bring back their loving husband and father, they were able to receive a $10 million verdict for his wrongful death. We are certain the defendants will appeal and delay because that is what the defense industry does. But this is a big victory for Iowans, medical patients, and families across the entire country. Old lives matter, end of quote. Um, interesting. Old lives matter. Uh, and right. he's right. Uh, the, defense, the defense industry will appeal this, uh, and they will delay, deny, confuse, and refuse, and we'll see what happens. Uh, my guess is that uh, the family is going to be offered a substantial amount of money discounted against the $10 million verdict. And uh, the case will probably settle. But, but um, uh, that's what happens. That's the kind of uh, case you have to have to get a $10 million verdict. Yes, the guy was kind of old. Uh, perhaps uh, it's a high number for a seven-and-a-half-year uh, survivorship loss. Maybe somebody younger uh, deserves this kind of money over an 80-year-old. But his point, old lives matter, is, an, is a very important point. Years and years and years ago, when I was first starting out, I handled a case where a 97-year-old woman um, was left alone in her nursing room bed uh, she had a turning schedule, and they ignored it for two days, and she died oh. of severe dehydration and bed sores. And the, the whole case was based on she had no life expectancy. She was going to die soon anyway. 
Um, and we were able to recover a, a, a sizable amount of money for her family for the suffering she went through, even though it was only two days. Uh, how do you leave a helpless old woman lying in bed like that without paying any attention to her at all? So right. old lives old lives do matter. Hmm. Um, looks like we're running out of time. I've got I've got one more case I want to discuss real quickly because this is a doozy. Okay. This recently, and this happened recently in the Chicago suburb of Oak Park, where a Cook County jury. Handed, are you sitting down? I am. They handed they handed down a one hundred and one million dollar verdict. One hundred and one million for medical wow. malpractice. Now, before I tell you about the case, take a guess, just a wild guess, as to what you think has to happen for a one hundred and one million dollar verdict. Well, I think based on what we've been talking about, um, I, I, I'd be surprised if um, if the person survived. Well, actually, when a person dies, their case is worth less money. Uh, they don't pain. They don't suffer. Um their life is calculated or the value of their life is calculated as I indicated by the life expectancy charts. Um, A person who lives and lives in severe pain uh, has a case that's much more valuable. I think you can appreciate what I'm trying to say. So living actually uh, is living in severe pain is actually worth much more than dying. Surprisingly enough. Um, the case involves um, a birth injury, and the verdict went to a family of a severely brain-damaged young boy whose quality of life is completely shot. Uh, the mom, of course, says no amount of money is enough to replace her son's quality of life. The jury found that the nurses and staff at a local medical center in Oak Park failed to monitor the mother when she came to the emergency room concerned about the baby she was then carrying. She was pregnant, about to give birth, and um, she was concerned. Um, Her son, whose name is Gerald, can't utter a word. He can't take a step. He's five years old. He can crack a smile. His mother calls him the bright light of everybody's lives. All he does is smile and laugh, she says. Uh, The jury ruled that his condition resulted from the negligent behavior of the staff at the Oak Park Medical Center. The mother says the nurses and employees didn't care. I thought they were there to save lives, she said. Instead, they ruined the wonderful family that I was looking forward to. She arrives at the hospital 34 weeks pregnant. She tells the nurses, my baby isn't moving as he normally does. Something isn't right. What do they do? They ignore her comments. They ignore her worsening condition. And they wait to call a doctor for six hours. The child is born with severe brain damage. That requires 24 hours care. He's not a normal person. That was taken away from him, at least with the money that she got in the from the jury, she can bring her son home and and treat him uh, with the highest level of home care that uh, he could possibly need. He's all she has, and uh, he can now come home. Uh, the nurse uh, who failed to check on uh, on her still works at the hospital. Uh, The ultrasound tech who uh, ignored her ultrasound um, has retired. Uh, Interestingly, uh, I'm very proud of them. Interestingly, the attorney who represents the hospital 
or at least the company that owns. You know, hospitals aren't owned by doctors anymore. They're owned by companies. But the company right. that owns the hospital says they're not going to appeal. They're disappointed with the verdict, but they'll respect it, pay it, and they wish um, Gerald's family well. So that's the positive of this. That, that happens very infrequently where a hospital doesn't appeal uh, a huge verdict like that. But that, uh, I, I mean, look what we're talking about. Somebody would say, that's outrageous, $101 million verdict? Who would trade their son's well-being, their son's brain, his brain is essentially a vegetable, their right. son's brain for $101 million? Bucks? Uh, nobody. No one. No. So what's the, po- what's the point of all this? The point of all this, the Saturday Night Live sketch obviously is funny. Some of the lawyer ads are cheesy. Some of them in poor taste. The introduction of money, this how, can, how much can we get for you mentality, ignores the real issue. These situations, accidents of all kinds, can cause devastating injuries. The kind no one, you, me, or anybody listening, can trade for a seven- eight, or even nine-figure damages award. Simon, how much, is, how much money is it worth to you to have to take care of your brain-damaged baby for the rest of his life? Oh, they, I don't think it's possible to put um, a dollar amount on such a, a, a thing. You know, sure, you, you, can, you can do some calculations, figure out how much per year it's going to cost to uh, look after the baby, but that, well, and, that doesn't and, and don't take in... the... Go ahead. But that do- doesn't take into, uh, you know, um, just doesn't take into account that the quality of life, not, exactly. not, not only the baby's exactly. quality of life, but your quality of life. Exactly. So you're talking. You're not just talking about how much the cost of care is. You're talking about a quality of life issue that has to have a monetary value placed on it. And while it's not a perfect science, um, it's a jury question, and the jury has the right to decide those issues. The legislature has no right to pre-decide those issues. Not only that, but every case and every person is different. Uh, I'm sure this Cook County jury worked very hard to come up with this verdict. And how dare any legislature look at it and say the jury was wrong. The verdict is outrageous. How can anybody say that a case is worth $101 million? And the answer is, what if it was your child? Yeah. There there is no... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, unfortunately... As you can tell, tell, I'm pretty passionate about these, these issues. Indeed. Um, I've just had that uh, terrible woman in my ear telling me uh, the program's over. Um, Mark, this has been um, a a very interesting program. Uh, Alas, we didn't get round to your books. Um, I will give you an update, though. Uh, Betrayal in Black... Um, I believe comes out tomorrow. And the trail in black came, the, came out came out December fourteenth. Oh, fourteenth. Uh, oh, okay. It was, it, it was supposed to, it was supposed to come out tomorrow, but uh, Amazon is running a contest, and in order to in order to, for the book to have to qualify for the contest, we had to release it 
prior to the December 15th. So we released it on the 14th. I encourage all our listeners to take a look at it. It's a great book. I'm very proud of it. It talks about a very important issue, uh, police shootings and uh, police shootings of innocent black men, um, uh, a serious problem in America today, and I encourage all of our listeners to take a look at the book. And thank you for mentioning it. All right. This is Simon Barrett wishing everyone a happy, healthy, and safe week. We'll be back again uh, next week with another program, and I'm sure it'll be just as interesting as the one tonight. So till then, goodbye. Bye, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.